Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me as always are my handsome hubby, Jeffrey Isbell, and my super talented hey. vegan stepdaughter, Ariana Isbell. <laughs> Boy, you guys are chiming in before I'm even done. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to go. You know, we have all our pets gathered around us. I have Willa laying on my feet, and I see we've got Petey joining us today, and I was just thinking how this really an environment for animals here. It sure is. Every single species you could imagine. Oh, that actually reminds me. I was on Facebook earlier today, and I saw a story that was really cute, and I just had to share it with everybody on the show. You and the Facebook. You kids today. (laughs) That's right. Me and the Facebook. Good friends. So I saw this picture, and it really caught my eye because the picture was of a dog, a cat, and a rat. And apparently... They all walked into a bar? (laughs) That's right. They all walked into a bar. Actually, they all walked into a adoption center because, unfortunately, they were owner relinquished together. Their Aww. owners were downsizing and could not take them with them. Mm, so, I know. The cat, who was named Jack, the dog, who was named Sasha, and the rat, who was named, get this, Tweakers, <laughs> all came in together, <laughs> and they were exceptionally friendly animals. So, the vet staff took the cat Jack back into the vet office so that he could get checkups and everything. And immediately, as soon as he was separated from the other two animals, he became extremely anxious, very upset, and not at all a cooperative customer. So they thought, well, we'll try bringing in the dog. Maybe when Sasha's there, he'll be a little bit more calm. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, as soon as they brought Sasha in, Jack was immediately friendly, the perfect patient, as calm as any cat can be in a veterinary office. Because the dog came in. Yeah. Buddy. That's exactly. so cool. And so they thought, well, we might as well bring in tweakers as well. The rat. The rat. That's right. They brought <laughs> in the rat. So dog, cat, and rat all in there together. And they were just shocked. The shelter staff was just shocked by how bonded these three animals were. They're cuddling? They cuddled. They eat together. Not the shelter staff. (laughs) (laughs) No, the the animals, which they deemed the rat pack, by the way. (laughs) They even have this picture that I think is so cute of little tweakers climbing his way under Jack's arm while Jack is sleeping. And they're cuddling together. And then there's a picture of Sasha and tweakers eating together. So here's the thing, though. It's really hard to place a bonded pair of animals together in one home. Let alone, let alone three. three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the shelter staff was really concerned about this. Obviously, they wanted them to go home together because they were so bonded. Yeah. But it's so hard to find somebody. So did they? Well, sure enough, luckily, there just happened to be this woman who was looking for a dog-cat combo pack. <laughs> And her name was Kathy Barron, so she was in there with the shelter staff, and she happened to overhear them talking about these animals. So they started talking, and then she heard about the rat, Tweakers, and she thought, "Mm, I don't really like rats. Yeah, not very many people do. No, rats are not the most popular species of animal, but the shelter staff implored her to meet him. They said, please, just meet him. He's a very affectionate rat. We think if you meet him, you'll change your mind. So she was like, oh, okay. And she was there with her daughter. And they didn't say this in the article, but I have a feeling her, her daughter might have had something to do with this. Uh-huh. So they went back and they met Tweakers. 
and she was so glad that she did because she said that as soon as she held him, she was in love with him because he is just such an affectionate rat. So sure enough, happily ever after, Kathy adopted Sasha, Jack, and Tweakers, and they all lived happily ever after. And if you want to see the photos, they are posted to our Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com slash Pet Place Radio, and you can see all the photos and, and read the full story there. It's very cute. And Ari, you have a terrific recipe for us this week. I sure do. It's Mapo Tofu. You just made that a couple days ago, right? I did. I did. Just recently. I wasn't sure if that was it. It was the soft tofu. Right. Silken. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, it's really nice having a daughter in college who's willing to cook for us. We're never going to let her move out because we're so spoiled. Right, Ari? You're going to stay with us forever. (laughs) Well, I'd like to, but I don't know. That seems... (laughs) Not plausible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we're getting a little bit sidetracked, and we have so much to do in so little time. Uh, I sound like Willy Wonka. (laughs) 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 We've got adoptable pets to talk about, letters to answer, book reviews with Marianne Dell, and, of course, we always start with... Animals in the News. (laughs) News, 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 news. Oh, boy, you guys are silly. Let's begin our news segment. Now, I think a lot of animal lovers remember a few years back the horrifying photos of Donald Trump's sons posting with large game animals that they had murdered. And, of course, the elder Trump defended their actions, calling it sport, and saying there was nothing wrong with it. Well, Earlier this month, Trump signed legislation legalizing extreme killing methods of wolves and bears in Alaska. You're saying he's consistent. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. He overturned an Obama administration regulation that put restrictions on how these animals could be killed. Alaska National Wildlife Refuges can now allow such atrocities as the killing of wolves and pups during their spring and summer denning season gunning down mother bears and their cubs, baiting and snaring bears and their cubs, and enabling trophy hunters to use aircraft to chase grizzly bears and wolves before landing to shoot them. Now here's a key point. Nearly 78 million acres of land in Alaska are national wildlife refuges. So we're talking about lots of animals that are now at risk of being slaughtered. So no matter where you stand on the political spectrum, if you're an animal lover, This should make your blood boil. Please, please contact your elected representatives to voice your opposition to this recent action. And just so you know, when we're talking about denning, we're literally talking about hibernating, sleeping animals. So hunters can go into the den of a mother and her sleeping babies, completely, totally innocent, and just shoot them while they're asleep. No possible defense. Yeah, it's pretty hideous. And so here's another way that animals are suffering under Trump. So we all know about his big wall that he's wanting to build, and we know that he wants to prevent people coming across the border into the United States. But what we're not thinking about, or what at least a lot of people are not thinking about, are animals that migrate across the borders, um, you know, on a yearly basis. That's right. They have no national origin. That's right. (laughs) They are not the citizens of any country. They are truly citizens of the earth. Mm -hmm. So there are some species that live along that border, including the arroyo toad and black-spotted newt, which are already endangered, according to the International Union for the Conservation of Nature. 
and these animals, as well as others such as jaguars, desert bighorn sheep, and roadrunners could see their habitat split in two and their genetic diversity threatened if this wall is built. And that's really important from a scientific perspective. It's just, ah, it's where, where science just loses again because the people who are currently running our country don't believe in science. Well, I, I normally do the uh, stupid human story of the day here. <laughs> it really is. It's hard to top that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it can't be topped. I mean, it's it's so stupid, you know, It's but still, I do have a stupid <laughs> human story. People don't let me down in that regard. A Tennessee man traveling across the country, sounds like another joke. It does. <laughs> was cited in March, not cited, he was cited. Given a citation. Yeah. After he allegedly climbed over a fence to get close enough to a sleeping tiger to touch it and take a selfie with it. You know, I'm all for it. You know, I'm a scientist, a science-minded person, let's put it that way. Yeah, I support Darwin. (laughs) In so many ways. (laughs) Matthew Swearingen, 34, was given a ticket by the Denver Police Department for criminal trespassing after the incident, in which he is accused of jumping a public barrier at the new zoo's new tiger exhibit. The zoo is not new. The tiger exhibit is new. Uh, The zoo says that the incident happened in the newly opened tiger area that is intended to give visitors close-up views. However, barriers are supposed to keep tigers and people safe, you know, like separate. (laughs) On Swearingen's Facebook page, he posted that he pet the tiger at the zoo. Stupid people always post it. They do. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's not alleged. (laughs) (laughs) The zoo said that it's currently evaluating this area to determine if anything additional needs to be done to discourage this illegal behavior from happening again. Get some lighter sleeping tigers. Good idea. Well, at least that stupid human at least seems like he loves animals. And for all you sane animal lovers out there who want to cook humanely, I think Ari is set up in her kitchen with a new recipe. Ari, take it away. Well, today we're going to be making mapo tofu, a dish which actually originates in China and is widely enjoyed throughout the world. Mm. Its role in Asian cuisine is somewhat akin to spaghetti, as it is a feel-good, relatively simple recipe that many people have fond memories of eating growing up. Start out by preparing a pot of rice for serving with the tofu later on. I usually do one cup of rice for two cups of water and boil it for 15 minutes. Next, we'll create the sauce. The two main flavors in mapu tofu are miso and tomato. So we are going to mix a quarter cup of tomato paste, a quarter cup of black miso, and a half cup of water together in a large bowl to create our sauce base. Next, we'll add the more subtle flavors, like a teaspoon of garlic powder, a teaspoon of MSG, I know, it's not as bad for you as you think, (laughs) and a teaspoon of sugar. Now, if you happen to be short on tomato paste, you can actually substitute ketchup instead, but make sure to also leave out the sugar because ketchup already has quite a bit of sweetness. Now, mapo tofu is traditionally rather spicy. It originates in the Sichuan region, and... To be true to its origins, you should add at least a teaspoon of Szechuan pepper, but feel free to add as little or as much Szechuan pepper as you can handle. I personally have very wimpy taste buds, 
So I only add a little bit when I make it. She has to make a special batch for herself because Jeff and I like spicy. That's true. I don't know where I got the the wimpy jeans. All right. So the next thing that we need to do is add a half teaspoon of sesame oil along with a half teaspoon of ginger and a teaspoon of cornstarch or potato flour to give the sauce a slick, viscous consistency. It goes really nicely with the silky texture of the tofu. Now to finish off the sauce, Stir in a tablespoon of meeting and set it aside. Roughly chop a small onion and throw it into a hot skillet so it can start to clarify. Then open up two packages of silken soft tofu and cut them into inch and a half pieces. Other textures and hardnesses of tofu are okay, but really silken soft tofu is absolutely the best for this recipe. Before I started eating tofu, I, I really only wanted firm tofu because I really was trying to use tofu as meat, let's say. But really, once you get used to tofu and then begin to like it, there's something really nice about the the silken tofu. Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, But with the silken soft tofu, make sure that you cut it up into fairly large pieces because it is more likely to break apart and then it won't have such an appealing texture anymore. So once you're done with that, pour the sauce into the pan over the onions. Then add the tofu and cook until the ingredients are well mingled. To garnish, chop up some green onions and add them on the top, allowing them to cook for another five minutes or so. Serve over the rice and enjoy. That sounds great. Let's have some more tonight. (laughs) Good idea. Well, uh, while you're cooking, let's go ahead and take a call from Marianne Dell, our good friend and frequent visitor, who has a book review for us. Hey, Marianne Dell, how are you? I'm great, Marie. It's been so long since we talked. I'm so glad to be back. I'm so happy that we have time to get together and, and talk about some books. But before we get started, how's everything in the rescue world? Well, it's crazy as always. There are always so many animals out there that need saving. Just too many people that either don't care or seem like feel like they're up against a wall and they're just leaving their animals at shelters, and it's it's so sad for the animals and kind of frustrating for us in the rescue world because mm-hmm. we feel like we can't save enough of them, but we do the best we can. Oh, that is awesome. And have you placed any with families with kids recently? You know, I have not. I actually placed a dog who probably would have been a great family pet, but I placed him with an older couple who have a dog who looks just like him. Aww. <laughs> they, were, they were very enamored of him, and he's doing great in his new home. Oh, that's awesome. Well, the reason I asked you about kids is I know that you have a batch of books today that pertain to kids and issues with animals, and I was wondering if maybe you wanted to talk about some of those books that you've recently reviewed. I do. So a woman named Patricia Brill has written a series of books she calls the Dog Tales Collection. And Mm. that's tales spelled the way you would expect tales to be spelled in books, not T-A-I-L-S. Oh, okay. Um, I I have four of them, and they're really a nice way of talking with kids, younger kids, about different situations that can happen with dogs and, and with people. Okay. But they're told from the they're told from the dog's point of view. Oh, that's interesting. And it's, yeah, it's the dogs and they're actually her dogs. She uses her dogs and these have been real experiences okay. that she's been through. And with the dogs talking to one another, it kind of takes it away from this could happen to you, but does talk about this could happen to your pet. Oh. Which is often 
You know, it's often where kids get connected to things that are kind of scary or different or the first time they may experience something like sickness or even death or cancer. And these books address all of them. The first one is Portia Bella's Forever Home, and it talks about a little abandoned boxer puppy who is found, and then this family adopts her, and she becomes the fifth dog in the family. And the family dogs explain to her how they came to be there. They were all rescue dogs. Mm -hmm. And how she's safe now, even though she doesn't quite trust that because she was abandoned by her breeder because she was a white boxer, and Um, we know that sometimes white dogs are seen as not very good. Um, In the eyes of readers, of course, not not in the eyes of normal people. (laughs) No, no, not in the eyes of those of us who love our pets, no matter what they are or what they look like. Mm -hmm. And she finally comes to understand that this really is her forever home, and she's not going to go anywhere. So it's a nice way to explain why we adopt animals and instead of going we, to pet stores and why and we keep them. them forever until yes. until we have to say, you know, goodbye at the Rainbow well, Bridge. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That is that is a deep subject. Is this more for older kids or is it written in a way that young kids can I would relate? Say, I would I would say this is Around the 7 to 10-year-old range. Okay. Perhaps a little younger if the kids are... I mean, there's quite a few words in the books. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they're not like little kids' books where there's just three or four words on a page. They're, okay. There's a paragraph on every page. All right. So they would be for, for um, slightly older kids, particularly if they were going to read them themselves. But I also think they're absolutely great books for parents to read to children. Okay. And, you know, and as they're going through the book and reading it, explaining a little more about what's going on and asking the kids, do you have any questions about this? Um, I particularly like Do Bad Dogs Get Cancer? That's the second book. What was that called? Do do good dogs get cancer? Do bad dogs get cancer. Oh, do bad dogs get cancer? Do bad dogs get cancer? And, you know, often one of the questions kids have, particularly younger kids, if a parent gets cancer or a grandparent, well, did granddad do something bad to cause this to happen to him? And, And this book explains how it is simply something that happens to some beings, and it's nobody's fault. It's not the fault of the animal it's happening to. It's not the fault of the owners. It mm-hmm. is simply something that happens. And it goes through and talks about another dog who had cancer who recovered fully. Mm-hmm. And this dog flat out, who has cancer flat out asks, did I get cancer because I'm being punished for something, for being a bad dog? Oh, okay. And... The other dog says, no, bad dogs get timeouts, not cancer. All kinds of dogs can get cancer. And then it talks about his treatment and what happens to him mm-hmm. and how he recovers and how he comes back to be a happy, playful dog. So and this might even be a good book then for a child who's been diagnosed with cancer. It absolutely could be. Wow. It's a good book for just addressing cancer, period. Wow. 
man, you know, I, I, I'm actually kind of tearing up while we're talking about this because I'm, I'm thinking about what the, the children would be going through as, as they learn about this stuff. But I guess when you teach it from the perspective of, of a lovable animal that they can relate to, it, it takes a little bit of the edge off. And, and that's, that's a good idea. What are some of the other topics that she addresses in the other two books? She talks about having surgery, Okay. about a dog going into a vet clinic to have surgery, and he's never had surgery, mm-hmm. and the dog who had the cancer is in the clinic, and he's just there for a checkup, I believe, and he explains what's going to happen with the surgery, how they'll be taking care of him. Um, the dog with the surgery, by the way, ate some items that belonged to his owner. <laughs> And that's why he's having surgery. And these are all actual stories from the author's own dogs? Yes, yes. (laughs) Now, I don't know about the dog who ate stuff because that is not one of her dogs. Oh, okay. But, you know, it very well could have been a dog that was in there while her dog was in there having a checkup. Right. And so, you know, he talks about how he'll be asleep and he won't know anything's happening to him and he won't hurt. And the dog says, but what if I don't wake up? And he says, you'll wake up and the friendly nurse will be there and she's going to give you treats as soon as you wake up. And the book is called The Road to Recovery is Paved with Dog Treats. <laughs> That's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. And and how about the last one? What's that about? The last book is Don't Say Goodbye, Just Say See You. Oh. And in this one... One of her boxers, not the one who had the cancer, but another one, gets old and gets very tired, and he's at the end of his life, and he, his friend, who's the one who had cancer, comes up and says to him, I'm not ready to say goodbye to you. And he says, don't say goodbye, just say see you. And the other dog asks, why? And he says, because goodbye is something you say to someone you may not see again. See you means that sometime in the future we'll see each other again. It might be a short while or it might be a long time. But nevertheless, we will see each other again. That's a very yeah. cool message. I yeah. really like that. I yeah. remember the very first time that uh, my youngest daughter, Ariana, uh, experienced losing her four-legged best friend and it was a very very tough time it took her a long time to get over that so I think a story like this could be very helpful yes and it segues right into if you feel like sharing it sharing the story of the rainbow bridge which talks about dogs all the dogs being there all the cats all the animals and meeting their owners right right and for you listeners who aren't familiar with the the rainbow bridge just google rainbow bridge and about a thousand links will come up that have the poem. It's a very, very sweet poem that that talks about yes, uh, when our pets uh, leave us and cross over that yes. beautiful place. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Ah, Marianne, absolutely. you ha- you have to uh, bring me some cheery books next time because okay. <laughs> now I'm going to spend the I rest promise. of the show all teary. <laughs> Well, these are kind of serious, and they can be kind of sad, but the good part of it is I think they are really, really lovely, simple teaching tools for parents. And where can people find these books if they were interested? I think they could find them. The publisher is Functional Fitness. Okay. And, yeah, they're actually uh, put down for ages 5 to 8. She actually won an award called the Mom's Choice Awards, Earning Excellence. Wow. Honoring Excellence. So sorry. Um, for her books. 
and I think well-deserved because I think they really are just a wonderful, wonderful tool. They're $9.95 a piece. I am sure if you search for them online, you can find them. Okay. Or if you look look for functional fitness, I'm sure you can find them. And no doubt they're in those few brick-and-mortar bookstores that are still remaining out there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for those of us that like to go and look through bookstores and wish yeah. we could take all of them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, Marianne, thank you so much, and you have a great rest of the day, and and we'll have to get you back on the show more often than once every year. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Marie. I love that. (laughs) Take it easy. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Those are some pretty intense books. I think we might need to lighten things up a little with uh, adoptable pets. Pets, 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 pets. You're going a little nuts with the uh, reverb there, <laughs> but I like it. I do, too. <laughs> but I like this big, beautiful, jet-black, short-haired cat named Bagheera even better. He's about six years old and has a luxurious fur coat. You'll just want to pet him constantly because it is so soft. He is very friendly and wants to be where people are all the time. Bagheera will follow you from room to room, keeping you company and giving you head bumps. He seems to get along well with other cats, but he is not fond of dogs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of cats are like that. That's true. Now, Bagheera has FIV, and there are a lot of misconceptions about FIV floating around, but any bad things that you've heard are probably false. Bagheera can live with other cats without transmitting the disease and has about the same life expectancy as any other cat. So, if you are interested in this big love, please contact OC Small Paws at 714-815-4300 or ocsp.adoptions at gmail.com, putting his cat's name in the subject line. Email is always the fastest way to bring your new family member home. Now we'll talk about one of Bagheera's not friends. <laughs> this is Bo the Terrier. I have it on good authority, by the way, that Bo loves Bagheera. <laughs> anyway, Bo is a young terrier mix with a handsome white coat. He was found running in a busy intersection ooh, near the Animal Assistance League's kennels and had no identification. Flyers were posted and he was put on social media, but no one came to claim him. Bo really loves people, and he gets along with other dogs. He is gentle, just a little shy at first, but would be a wonderful addition to any family. Adoption fees are $150, and that's a tax-deductible donation for the Animal Assistance League to help even more homeless pets. It includes neuter, vaccinations, and a microchip. For more information on adoption policies, visit www.aaloc.org or email aaloc at aaloc.org or call 714-893-4393. Since we're a little short on time today, I'm going to answer a quick question from our email bag. This is from Amy in Orange, and here's her letter. Dear Marie, I've been seeing exceptionally large rats running across our fence at night. They are at least as big as my cat. I've never seen anything like them before. I'm new to orange, so I'm wondering if this is normal or if I have anything to worry about. So, 
Rats of Unusual Size. Sounds like a certain movie that we all like. (laughs) Well, Amy, out there in orange, those are not cat-sized rats. You are seeing opossums, and they're actually not even in the rodent family. They're related to kangaroos. They have pouches just like kangaroos, and they raise their babies in their pouches until they're big enough to cling to mama's back. You might even see a mama opossum running around with several babies clinging to her. It's really cute. And contrary to public myth, opossums don't carry any diseases you need to worry about. In fact, they are nature's little cleaning crew, eating things that you don't want to have around. And they also eat snails and slugs. What's super cool about opossums is that these ancient mammals have been around since the time dinosaurs roamed the earth and haven't really changed much at all. So just enjoy them and be glad you can share your world with such an awesome creature. Now, if I I saw an opossum not too long ago, and was it around during the dinosaur (laughs) era? (laughs) We're not in the stupid human section right now. Of the show. <laughs> oh, I'll pretend I was joking. <laughs> if you have a question about animal behavior or wildlife that you'd like Marie to answer, be sure to write to us at petplaceradio at gmail.com. And if you have a recipe you'd like me to try out and share with listeners, write to that same address, petplaceradio at gmail.com. And that's our show for this week. We hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next weekend with more animal news, animal-friendly recipes, adoptable pets, and fun pet-related events. To find out more about the Pet Place, visit us online at www.petplace.org or at facebook.com slash petplaceradio. Have a great week! Week, 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 week! week. (laughs) Bye, everyone!